Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn to the book of Acts, the 19th chapter. As you're doing that, let me welcome the campuses that are joining with us today. Uh, we are believing today for a move of the Spirit of God, uh, that as I preach here, it will also move there with you and that your life will be touched and you will be transitioned uh, from one experience to the next in what God has for you. To those of us who are here today, the book of Acts, the 19th chapter, uh, would you look there in the first couple of verses, Acts 19, 1 and 2. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you, get that, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now for the past few weeks we've been talking about this whole process of experiencing God. How that you really can experience God. That, that in your life that living for God doesn't just have to be a linear thing. It doesn't just have to be a knowledge thing. That you really can feel God. You really can know God. You really can move into a place where there is intimacy between you and the Lord. That, that it's not a weird thing to say, I felt the Lord. It's, it's not a strange thing to say. I experience the presence of God. Now, I know that a lot of churches teach, oh, God uh, is so far beyond us. You can't feel Him. You can't touch Him. You can't experience Him. But I want to tell you, they came along way too late to tell me that because I have experienced Him in different manners in my life. So he talked about how that the Old Testament referred to the Lord and tried to describe Him, and so many multiple names for God was used in the Old Testament. Uh, all the Jehovah, the compound Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Makedish, on and on and on. And then you had such descriptions as El Shaddai, El Aon, on and on. At one point, God said, just tell them the I Am has sent you. And so God is revealing it. God is, His whole word is a progressive revelation we're moving into more and more revelation but then when we get in the new testament we find god revealed to us as father son and holy spirit that he is brought to us that he that he brings everything together and he says get this aspect of who i am i'm your father uh, i come as your as as your elder uh, brother and that i'm going to bring the holy spirit now if there's anything um that evangelical churches don't spend much time on, and, and the one aspect of the Godhead that we really don't talk about, it is the Holy Spirit. We, 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 we're kind of nervous about this, even the term Holy Spirit. It kind of conjures up some things, doesn't it? I mean, you, you start getting weird, thinking ghost, and you know, who you're going to call, and right? And, you know, all, all the all the weird stuff. But let me just explain something to you. The Bible says God is a spirit. And if He is a spirit, we know that the Bible also says God is holy. So it must be a holy spirit. He must be a holy spirit. Now let me, let me just pastor. Can I pastor for two minutes? Come on, let me pastor for two minutes. You'll be alright for me to pastor for two minutes, alright? Uh, if there is a holy spirit then there must also be an unholy spirit. So things are originating from either the Holy Spirit or from an 
unholy spirit. And I want to tell you, there are a lot of things right now going on in our society, uh, in our culture right now, that are not proceeding from a holy spirit. You need to be careful about the movies you watch and the books you read. Oh, I told you I wanted to pastor for two minutes, all right? Uh, You know, God's not turning me into a werewolf nor a vampire. He's not making me suck somebody else's blood so that I can live. He gave his blood on a cross. That's the only blood that I need, and I'm going to walk with him. I don't have to fly around on a broom. I'm going to fly away one day, all right? And so you need to be careful because if it's not coming from the Holy Spirit, then it's probably coming from an unholy spirit. And I don't know about you, but if I'm a believer, I don't want to participate with anything that is unholy because when I do, I open myself up to what the enemy brings into my life. So I'm going to leave. I'm not going to get on your stuff, but I'm going to leave Twilight and Harry Potter and all that stuff out there somewhere, and I'm going to go with God. Now, you can pray for me or pray for yourself. It don't matter to me at this point, all right? And and, and so when you begin to understand that, you begin to say, wait a minute, I want to pursue what God has for me, and, and I want this aspect of the Holy Spirit dwelling in my life. And when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, you begin to see some things uh, that, that happen as a result of receiving the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about in just a moment some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, how He operates in our lives. But before I get there, let me, let me refer back to Acts 19 here where Paul, meeting certain disciples of John the Baptist, said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. They said, we, we've, you know, we've never even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, he said, well, how are you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. And he said to them, well, John baptized unto repentance, saying that there was one coming who was mightier than him, whose shoelaces he was not worthy to unlatch, who would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Bible says that Paul took these believers... He rebaptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then he laid hands on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Woo! Somebody says, I thought the church was a nonprofit organization. That's P R O F I T, not P R O P H E T, all right? Uh, we, we, and and any time a pastor mentions speaking in tongues, there's a lot of things that begin to happen in the congregation because we've been taught a lot of things. We've been culturally taught. Uh, we've been taught, first of all, uh, that, you know, that when, when the last apostle died, all the signs and wonders were done away with. So that meant that on, back in the day when John the Revelator was on the Isle of Patmos, that meant when he was alive that Sunday, they gathered in church. There was a move of God. People were praying. People were being healed. The gifts of the Spirit were in operation. But during that week, and of course the church didn't know this because they're scattered. John's out there by himself. John dies. They go back to church the following Sunday. They can't get anybody healed. There's no gifts being manifest. There's nothing happening. They're going, man, what happened to us? Did we miss it? And somebody says, oh, I think John might have died. Come on, you know better than that. If God was doing it the Sunday before, you know he was still doing it because he said, I'm the same yesterday, today. 
and forever. Somebody said, well, you know, when he that is perfect is come, you know, we'll quit speaking in tongues. That's found uh, in the book of Corinthians. It says when he that is perfect. And they said that that's the canon of Scripture. When the Scripture was closed, no longer did we need to speak in tongues. We'll read the rest of that verse. It says also that knowledge is going to vanish away. And yet they're telling us that the bulk knowledge of the world doubles now every 10 to 12 years. So the knowledge hasn't passed away, so I guess speaking in tongues hasn't passed away. And the guy who wrote that speaking in tongues was going to pass away later said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Apostle Paul said, you all. He must have been from Mississippi. He's a southern boy. And, and so what we have to come to is say, wait a minute. If there is something that I can experience of God that maybe I've never experienced or somebody told me that I couldn't experience, would I want that? Would that be something that I would desire as a believer? And I want to tell you this morning, I think that it is. I believe with all of my heart that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest things that can happen to a Christian outside of being born again. Now, we're not talking about salvational issue here. We're not talking about being saved. We know that we're all saved through grace by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on Calvary by the blood of Jesus. We understand that. I don't believe uh, that speaking in tongues saves you. I don't believe that baptism saves you. I do believe if you're baptized, I mean, if you're saved, you will be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I believe it's a, a progression of your walk with God. And I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is another part of that journey that you are on. But before I go any further, I will tell you, even if you stop at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have stopped too soon because there's more that God has for you. So there's, there's no place in here where you go, oh, my ticket's punched for heaven. Let's just sit back and be done. It's a progression. It's a journey. We're moving with God. And so this, the Scripture tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes, that there are some things that He brings in our life, and I want to share those with you for just a few moments, and I want to talk to us about receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 5 says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is that He regenerates us. In other words, we are born again through the Spirit. How many of you know that the Bible says that when Mary was overshadowed to bring forth the, the Son of God, that she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit? It was the Holy Spirit that was the agent in the process of birthing Jesus Christ upon this earth. It is the Holy Spirit that regenerates you. When you come to salvation, when you come to that place of receiving God as your Father and accepting the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is working in that process in your life to regenerate you. Uh, to, the, the whole process there with Nicodemus is so that you can be born. Come on, what is it? Born again, so that you can be born again. And Nicodemus goes, how can that be? Can I enter my mother's womb again? He said, Nicodemus, you're not getting it. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so you and I are born of the Spirit. And so I experience uh, the power of the Holy Spirit as I am born again and as I move into that. 1 John 2, 27 says, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Now it's talking about the Holy Spirit again. 
But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. How many of you are glad to hear some things that are true and not a lie? And just as it was taught to you, you will abide in him. So the Holy Spirit brings that uh, to our lives. And so there's this whole aspect here. Uh, John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will, there's that word again, teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the second thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life is that it teaches us. Does anybody need to be taught some things? Are there ever points of your life that you say, man, I really could uh, gain some knowledge here. I really need to understand something. What I've found in my life is that when I'm really struggling, when I'm, I'm struggling, whether it's in, in my personal life or maybe in leading the corporate uh, church that God has given me direction over, that, that there are those times that I just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what I am supposed to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I need you to show me. I need you to teach me. And time and time again, I will find that the Holy Spirit will begin to teach me things that, that I didn't, I've never read it in a book. I didn't study it in college. Nobody told me about it, but God just begins through the process of His Word and His Spirit. He begins to teach me uh, in those areas of my life. And so there's this aspect of teaching. And I, and I want to tell you something. But before, and, and I would say this, even before you come to church on a, on a Sunday or a midweek service, before you get there, don't just depend on the person who's going to be at the front to teach you. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, today, let your spirit teach me as I hear the word of God being spoken. As the pastor or the teacher or whoever it is stands before the congregation and brings the word of God, Lord, I ask that I am taught by your spirit today so that I will know exactly what I need. Let, let me explain something to you. Every person that came through the doors today has a different need. There are no two just exactly alike. You say, well, I need healing, and he needs healing, and she needs healing. Yeah, but it's different things. Well, I need my marriage touched. Well, this one needs their marriage touched. That one needs, but it's different things. So what we have to do is we have to listen with the ears of the Spirit. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You need to learn to hear what the Spirit is speaking as I stand here or whoever it is that's teaching you. You need to say, Lord, let your Spirit teach me today so that I can know exactly what the revelation is that I am to receive. Listen, I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart that God is still revealing Himself to us. He's still showing us new things, new points that you and I need to learn. Uh, John 15, 26, the third thing says, But when the Helper comes, Jesus speaking here, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. He says, here's, here's his designation. He is the Spirit of truth. Who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, let me stop there just a second. If somebody says that they are being used of the Holy Spirit, and they're not testifying of Jesus, the Bible says that's not truth. People say, well, I, uh, you know, I have the Spirit of God, but, and they start testifying of other deities or other gods or other things. No, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes, that He is going to testify of Jesus. 
So it's, it's that whole aspect there of understanding that it is the testimony of Jesus that comes forth. So if somebody tells you they're being used in a gift or an anointing and, and they're, they're, you know, testifying of themselves, of their anointing, of their power, how wonderful they are, you might just say, well, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I'll just read it one more time. But when he, the helper, comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. All right? So the third thing, that word helper there can be translated another word, another way, and the, the, the word helper could actually be translated comforter. So the third aspect or the third characteristic of the Holy Spirit is, is that it's a comforter. How many of you have ever read a book or maybe heard a sermon preached about a certain issue that you were facing? Maybe, maybe you had a sickness in your body or maybe uh, you were going through a tough time in your marriage and you picked up a book and it said if you would do uh, you know, the things that were in that book, your body would be healed or your marriage would be healed. How many of you have ever read a book like that? I've read hundreds and hundreds of books like that. But how many of you know sometimes, although you do everything that's said, doesn't happen have you ever prayed for yourself and still stayed sick am I the only one I mean I'm I'm I don't mean to go too far here but but I'm preaching to you this morning only by the help of Jesus and medication and I'm leaning stronger on the medication right now because I just took it a few minutes ago before I walked up here uh, because I've prayed for myself all week long. I've asked God to heal, but, but I'm standing here today still sick from, from last Sunday. But you know what? That does not mean that I don't believe Jesus is not still a healer. All right? So what do I do in that moment? In that moment as I'm standing here today where I don't feel healed, I am, I am comforted, though, by the Spirit. See, when you go through that divorce and you did everything that you were supposed to do and it still didn't work out, what you can do is you can rely upon the Holy Spirit and say, I need you to comfort me even though I did the right things, even though I said the right things, it just still didn't work. But the Spirit of God comes in and it begins to comfort you. He begins to minister to you. He begins to love on you. And there's this comfort that you go, I, I, I can't explain it. I don't like what I'm going through. But in the midst of that, there's a comfort that I I experience as I go through this. And so when you understand that, you can live uh, in this comfort. There's a, there's a great, great uh, process of God's comfort in your life as you get there. The, the fourth aspect, Romans 8, 26, says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The fourth thing that the Holy Spirit does is that it intercedes for us. It intercedes for us. In your life, there are times that you don't know how to pray. I mean, there, there, there are seasons and things that, that you and I face in our life, and, and we try to pray, but we don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what the words are that need to come forth, and yet the Bible says that in those moments... The Spirit intercedes through you with groanings that cannot be 
uttered. Now that word uttered there, when you begin to study that, what you find is, is that it is not a known language. It is something that is unknown. So the Spirit of God begins to pray through you. Now this is in the book of Romans. We're kind of talking to the Roman Christians at this point, okay? And, and so as you begin to look at that, you say, wait a minute, there are those times I don't know what to pray. A, a lot of my prayer time is allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through me because I don't know what to pray. Sometimes I, I will literally sometimes pr- let the Holy Spirit pray through me the entire time and, and, and basically never, never pray with the understanding. Why? Because I'm, I'm up against it. I'm, I'm at that moment that I don't know what to say. And, I, and yet the Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf at that moment. The fifth thing that the Scripture says that the Spirit brings, Acts 1 and 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The fifth thing that it does is that it empowers you. Scripture there says, But you shall receive power. The Greek word for the word power there is the word dunamis. The word dunamis is the place that we get the word dynamite from. Most Christians I know don't have a good firecracker. I mean, they wouldn't even be a good sparkler letting their light shine for Jesus. Few of them have moved up into, you know, the cherry bomb M80 stage of walking with Jesus. But the Scripture there says that we're going to have power. We're going to have dunamis. We're going to have dynamite. See, I made reference earlier to some of the things that are happening in our culture and in our world and how people are pursuing that. But the reason that people are pursuing the counterfeit is because the church doesn't have the real. If the church demonstrated the power of God the way that the church ought to be demonstrating the power of God, people wouldn't go to the counterfeit. They'd come to the real. See, it's more than just having a good service. It's more than just coming together. We need to say, wait a minute. I believe that when we gather together, the Spirit of God is in the house, and God is going to move. He's going to touch. He's going to heal. He's going to deliver. He's going to set people free. He's going to pour out His Spirit. There is going to be a move and a touch of the presence of the Almighty God when we gather together. We cannot settle for church anity. We can't settle for religiosity. We cannot settle for just having a good carnal Christianity. God is calling us to a level where we are pursuing Him for His power and saying, Lord, let Your power ignite within my life. Now, now, now watch what the Scripture says here. The, the Word of God says that they were to go in all the world and be witnesses. Now, here's what we've done with that. In our, our Western rational Christianity, what we have done is, is that we've said, here's what it means to be a witness. We're going to give you a pocket full of tracts, and we're going to put you on the street corner, or we're going to send you door to door. We're going to do whatever, and that's going to be witnessing of Jesus. And yet I read the entirety of the book of Acts and all through the New Testament, and I don't find anywhere where they ever had Saturday morning visitation. Come on, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever been on Saturday morning visitation with your church? Wasn't that just wonderful? 
Didn't it just make you feel good all under? I can remember doing Saturday morning visitation. I prayed more on Saturday than I did the rest of the week. I had two prayers. I had two prayers without fail on Saturday morning visitation. Number one prayer, Lord, don't let them have a big dog. <laughs> Number two prayer, Lord, don't let them be at home. Let's stick the track in the door. Let's go back and tell the leader we covered our block for Jesus. What you find in the New Testament, though, is different. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses. How? After power has come. How did that happen? Peter and John on their way to prayer at the gate beautiful, seeing a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb asking of alms. Peter said, look on me. He turns and turns his attention to Peter. Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have. I've been, got, I've been up in the upper room. I got some dynamite. What I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And the Bible says immediately he was strengthened. And he began to run and to dance in the temple. And the scripture says... That day, 5,000 men were added to the church. They didn't knock on a door. They didn't leave a track. They didn't tell anybody the four spiritual laws. They didn't lead anybody down the Roman road. Listen, I know them all. I've done them all. But I tell you what, you walk into somebody's room who's sick and laying in their bed, and they don't know Jesus, and you get them healed, They'll know Jesus before you leave. The Bible says this power is coming inside of you. You say, well, Pastor, how do I experience the power of God? Remember we talked the first week that you experience in the, in the process of this one God revealed His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you experience the Father aspect of who God is uh, through just trust. You have to trust Him if you don't trust Him. You're in serious trouble. We talked about last week that in obedience that you experience salvation, you experience baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, and that's that obedience aspect. Today, I want to talk to you about faith. The way that I experience the Holy Spirit, especially what is referred to in Scripture as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is simply by faith. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says is, uh, that Peter preaches this sermon to them, and as he is preaching to them, uh, that, that they're convicted, and they said, well, what do we do? And he said, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, to your children, and all that are afar off, that would be us, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter 2 said, they were in one accord in one place, and suddenly, go read it, verses 1 through about 5 or 6, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were assembled. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as the fire. It set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. 
Scripture says there were men and women from all over the world that were gathered there. They gathered together, and they said, we hear this 120 people speaking in different languages, in different dialects, and they are talking to us through our own language. How? Because God came into their lives, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they spake with other tongues. The book of Acts, the 8th chapter, uh, it said Philip had gone to Samaria to preach Jesus, that they had had repented and been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But as of yet, Acts 8 says, the Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. So let me stop for a moment. Some of you have been taught that when you were baptized, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture here clearly says in Acts 8, they repented and they were baptized as of yet. The Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. They sent Peter and John. When Peter and John got there, they laid hands on them and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It does not tell us at that point what happened, but we do know this. Something powerful happened because there was a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. He was a, a guy who practiced dark arts and and he came to them and said let me buy the power of the Holy Spirit and I want to tell you if nothing's happening somebody who operates in witchcraft is not going to try to buy your power Acts chapter 10 God sends Peter to Cornelius' household a Gentile believer the Bible says as Peter yet spake these words the Holy Spirit came upon them and Peter said we heard them speak with Tons. Thank you for tuning in today. Please join Pastor Couples next week for another message designed to help you successfully live the Spirit-empowered life. Please log on to our website at www.loveandtruthchurch.com or visit us in person on Oilwell Road in Jackson. And remember, God wants you to lead a Spirit-empowered life.